No sin is so great, no bitterness so deep, that God's grace cannot transform the heart and rewrite the story. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Grace is hard for us to understand sometimes. It doesn't make sense and it's really not fair. In reality, nothing is more difficult to explain than God's grace. Maybe the best way is just to experience it. Join us as we explore that experience. All right, good morning. Happy 4th of July weekend. I hope it's been a good weekend for you already. And uh, hopefully some of you guys actually get tomorrow off. That'd be pretty cool. But I, I, I want to say this, and to those of you that are watching online, um, I may be one of the last few, but I, I love our country. And I'm so grateful to be uh, an American. And yes, we have uh, had our troubles. And yes, but uh, our history's filled with that. And uh, if I had to be born again, I'd want to be born here in the United States of America. So, so grateful for all the men and women that sacrificed so that we could have the freedoms that we have today. Amen. And again, I'm just, I'm just so proud. I, I know I say it all the time, but today, just watching the, the young ladies lead us today. And uh, Mandy Pinto, our worship director, is just one of the things that's passionate for her is to raise up these leaders. And I thank you, church, that uh, we, we just keep seeing them. Uh, we have two of our girls that are leading at other churches now, two of the younger ones. So I'm, I'm full of gratitude with that. I want to start off by asking a question. Have you ever received a gift that you did not deserve? Have you ever received a gift that you did not deserve? And I'm looking around this room and I'm smiling because there are people in this room that have gifted me or my family uh, things that we definitely did not deserve and uh, incredibly grateful. But you, you know in your own life, right, when somebody has given you something and you're just like, man, I, I don't deserve this. I have had, like I said, many of those stories, and hopefully I've been that person also that has blessed and given. But uh, one of the stories that stands out, because it's directly, directly related to me standing here today, it happened um, many, many years ago. I had just become a Christian, 1988 and, uh, or 87, and uh, Darren Skates with our youth pastor, I've talked to him, you about him before, uh, a mentor. He believed in me, and uh, he believed me in a lot of ways, but one of the things I told you guys recently was he took me to Bob's Big Boy. Remember Bob's Big Boy in Sherman Way? And he says, you need to go into full-time ministry. And I'm like, you need to go jump off a cliff, right? But uh, he believed in me so much that he, uh, maybe the week later, got me in his green Nova and uh, made it all the way down to Hope University, which was called Pacific Christian College at the time. And he met, uh, he introduced me to all the teachers and staff and walked me through everything and uh, said, this guy's ready to enroll. So we ended up in the administration office, the finance person. And I remember like it was yesterday, the finance person asked all these questions. And then at the end of the day, she said, and so how are you going to be paying for this? And I'm like, uh, and I look at Darren and he looks at me and I said, I have no money. And the lady goes, well, Rob, I'm really sorry, but um, you, you need to have money. Uh, would your dad be able to help out? And I said, well, mom and dad are divorced and, and dad has no resources for this. Well, what about your mom? No, mom can't do it. How about any relatives? No, I don't have anybody. And she's like, well, honey, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to come up with some money. Matter of fact, the, you have to come up with $1,000 just to, just to go through the process. And you might as well told me a million. And so I was like, ah. 
And part of me was like, yes, I don't have to do this. <laughs> and Darren's like, hey, it'll all work out, you know, if, if God wants you to do it. Well, the other thing I was facing was having to talk to my boss. You see, at this season of my life, I was working at State Farm uh, Insurance for an agent by the name of Darvin Howe. He had an office on Topanga uh, down in Malibu. His clients were all there in Malibu. So we had some, you know, high-end clients. And he was grooming me to be an agent and maybe even take over his practice one day. And so um, he invested a lot in me, time and money and, and leadership. I was afraid to tell him that I was not going to go that route. And I'll never forget meeting uh, with him in his office and telling him, hey, Darwin, I'm really sorry. Thank you for believing in me, but I just feel like I need to become a pastor and go into full-time ministry. Well, I thought I was going to get a tongue lashing. I thought I was going to get disappointment. I thought I was going to get how, you know, could you do that? He didn't really say anything. He goes, all right, all right, how much longer? And I, I let him know. He says, all right, dodge that bullet. I come into work the next day. Now, Darwin doesn't know anybody I know. He has no contacts, no, no anything. He would have no clue because I didn't say anything to him. But I walk up to my desk and I sit down and there's an envelope and it has my name on it. I open up the envelope. Guess what's in the envelope? A check for the amount of $1,000. A gift I did not deserve. Matter of fact, I deserve just the opposite. Have you ever received a gift that you did not deserve? And that leads us into our brand new series. Grace is what? Grace is greater. I'm telling you right here, right now, every one of us needs to be here for this series. Because if there's any series the devil doesn't want you to be a part of, it's this one. Because this is good news. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for blessing us. Thank you for just getting us out of bed. Thank you for giving us another day of life that we did not deserve. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives and all that you're going to do in our lives. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray, God, that we would just swim and be saturated in our understanding of your grace. Not that we would just have knowledge, but that we would experience it. I know I need it, and I know we need it. God, you do your thing through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Well, there's an author by the name of Kyle Eidelman, and Kyle uh, actually used to pastor a church over in Santa Clarita called Real Life, and uh, he's written many books, and one of his books is Grace is Greater, and so that's a resource. This is our number one resource, amen, the Bible, and our second resource is a uh, book called Grace is Greater, and so you may want to get that online. But he says this in this book, Kyle Eidelman says, no sin is so great, no bitterness so deep that God's grace cannot transform the heart and rewrite the story. Amen? But grace is so hard for us to understand. Would you agree? Grace is so hard for us to understand. It, makes, it doesn't make any sense. It's not fair. It can't possibly cover over what I've done. Perhaps nothing is as difficult to explain as God's grace. I explain it this way because I love grace. I love preaching on it. I love extending it, but it's hard for me to accept in my own life. But I say this, grace is like a greased pig. Just when you think you've caught it, it slips out of your hand. Amen? It's like, man, I, I think I finally understood grace and pff, there it goes. And so I have surrendered myself to this idea that I will never fully understand grace until the day I die. I'm just gonna continue to grow in my understanding of it. Can I hear an amen to that one? 
All right, so if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, foundation of grace. Foundation of grace. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says, see to it that no one misses what? Misses the grace of God. Can you say that with me? See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Let's say it again. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. What is the translation of no one? No one. <laughs> See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And here's, here's, this is awesome. And that no what? That no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Here is a Pastor Rob sidebar. I believe, I believe a lot of our work relationships, I believe a lot of our family relationships, a lot specifically marriage relationships, parents and children relationships, sibling relationships have everything to do with this passage because we allow bitterness to grow in our heart and it destroys relationship. Would you agree with that? And we don't extend grace. We don't understand grace because we want to defend. We want to protect. We want to, we want to take our side. And, and this passage, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble, to cause trouble and defile many. I believe the devil has used bitter roots to ruin many, many a relationship. Even, oh, check this out. Even our relationship with God. How many are bitter at God? Whew. Misses simply means fails to obtain, fails to experience. And here's the deal. My prayer and the staff's prayer is this. Through this series, I believe it's a four-week, five-week series, through this series that we would receive, obtain, and experience the grace of God in our own life. Not the life of the person next to you. That, that's, that's what they need to do. But I want God's grace for you to experience God's grace in your life. That nobody, the Bible says, nobody misses out on the grace of, not, of God. <laughs> and I don't want anybody to grow those bitter roots. I don't want anybody to grow those bitter roots. Kyle Ottoman also says in his book, the author of Hebrews uses bitter root as a metaphor to make it clear that when we miss grace, things become toxic. Does that make sense? Religion without grace is poisonous. A relationship with God without, uh, without grace is poisonous. A church without God, a grace is what? Poisonous. A heart without grace is what? poisonous. The bitter root may be small and slow in its growth, but eventually the poison takes effect, and I would say wins out. You see, when we miss grace, the poison of bitterness and anger will eventually become too much to keep buried within our heart. The poison of guilt and shame will eventually what? It's eventually going to destroy our soul. So what is grace? What is grace? Well, if you look at the dictionary, there's all kinds of definitions, and, and maybe you can think of it in your head outside of maybe the Bible context of grace. There are a lot of definitions of grace. Number one, a simple elegance or a refinement of movement, and, and that's illustrated in the sentence like, uh, she dances what? gracefully. A second definition is goodwill. A third definition of grace is a period of a time allowed for payment beyond due date. Can we hear amen to that? <laughs> 
A fourth definition is a short prayer at dinner, right? Let's bow our heads and say grace. The fifth one is a description of a duke, a duchess, or an archbishop. And then our working definition for this series, grace is unmerited favor of God. Unmerited favor of God. Now, I I don't know about you. I don't use that word unmerited uh, a whole lot, if ever. But oftentimes when we hear in the context of the church, grace is unmerited favor or grace is the acrostics, God's riches at Christ's expense. And I think that's great ways to remember it, but I wanna give you a working definition for this series that's really simple in my understanding. And it's, it's, it's a simplified version of the unmerited favor of God. And it's simply this, grace is an undeserved gift. Amen? Grace is an undeserved gift. And if you wanna Stretch out that definition, an undeserved gift from God. So we're going to be unpacking number six for, like I said, the next month. And the goal is not for us just to understand grace, it's to experience grace. Grace is more powerful enough to erase your guilt. Grace is big enough to cover shame. Grace is real enough to heal your relationships. Grace is strong enough to hold you up when you're weak. Grace is sweet enough to cure your bitterness. Grace is satisfying enough to deal with your disappointment. Grace is beautiful enough to redeem your brokenness. And grace explained is necessary, but grace experienced is essential. Did you catch that? Grace explained is necessary, but grace experienced is essential. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, ready? Big mistakes. Pastor, what are you talking about? I thought we're talking about grace. We are. But in order to best understand and experience grace, we need to understand that we make some big mistakes and therefore we need grace. Are you with me? Romans chapter three, verse nine says, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we have already made the charge that the Jews and Gentiles are alike, are all under the power of what? The Jews and the Gentiles are alike. They're all under the power of sin. You fast forward a few thousand years, it's true. All of us are sinners. All of us have made big mistakes, small mistakes, medium mistakes. And verse 10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Can we repeat that together? There is no one righteous, not even one. Let's say it again. There is no one righteous, not even one. So for the arrogant person that may be sitting here going, oh gosh, I don't make mistakes. That's your first mistake. And for the person that's just beating themselves up, you're not alone. You're in a room full of people that have made mistakes, amen? Your pastor makes mistakes daily. I couldn't say that when I was 20 and a Christian pastor because I had to be perfect. I have zero problems saying at 53, I'm jacked up, but I'm loved up by the grace of God. And so are you. I thought we were talking about grace. Yes, our ability to understand and appreciate grace has everything to do with our understanding of our need for it. Are you with me? We as Christians go, oh, Jesus is the answer. And the world says, what's the question? Right? And for us as Christians, it's like, well, grace. 
ah, whatever. I can take it or leave it. No, 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 no. You can't take it or leave it. You need it. And I need it. And we all need it. Because we've all made mistakes and we're all going to make mistakes. Amen? I, um, I've been really quiet about it. And that's because I just want to just do my own, you know, just not make a deal out of it. But the truth is, yeah, I know there's something on my foot. Some of you wonder. Because you know. I, um, I, in February, uh, I was uh, paddle boarding in Maui. And I was taking a wave in. And um, I crashed. And I, I was a pair of socks in a washing machine. And I went over coral that I didn't know was there. And uh, I got banged up. And, and that's, that's fine. Um, but I got a cut on the top of my foot. It was only like this big. And I was always taught with diabetes too, you need to be really careful, you know? And so when I went back to the place I was staying, cleaned it out really good and, and um, thought I was doing really good with it. A couple months later, um, I, I noticed that there was a bump there. It was just hard. And I went to the doctors and, and honestly, I got misdiagnosed. It's nothing. And then I went again and, and, and this time, oh, take an antibiotic. And, you know, they did x-ray, no big deal. Well, then like about six weeks ago, uh, on the foot, there was just a little dot, like about two inches away, a little dot like a spider bite. And I thought, eh, I better get this checked because I think it might be related to this. Again, doctors aren't perfect and they misdiagnose it. Oh, come on, those two can't have anything to do with each other. But here, take another antibiotic. Um, so I did. And I went again for a third time because now it's huge. And um, again, no big deal. So this time I'm like, no, I need to be an advocate. And I got in to see a, a foot doctor and he did an MRI. And the next thing you know, it's like, hey, because of your diabetes, we're going to do emergency surgery. I'm like, all right. So this was two and a half weeks ago. So, you know, before surgery, you have to get a, um, what's it called? Pre-op, right? So I'm in there and, and they tell me everything. And then they hand me this boot in a nice plastic bag. And they're like, well, you're going to need this. And I'm like, I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a man. I don't need no boot. Whatever. I'll take it. Put it with all the other stuff Kaiser's given me that I've never touched. Bad example. Well, I had the surgery. And what this little thing was ended up being a, a cut about this long. And they took stuff out and yada, yada. Um, I was good about the boot for f- first few days. Always when I left the house, I was good with the boot. But in the house, sometimes I didn't. Well, I had a problem about a week and a half ago, and the long story short is it popped open. And, um, and so it's, it's kind of delayed the process of healing, and, and there's a lot more to it. But here's my point. The man said, I don't need this thing. I got it. And I think about this message today. Don't we do that with our mistakes? Yeah, I got this open womb. I made this mistake. But I got it. I don't, need, I don't need any help. Where God's going, your boot is my son, Jesus Christ. And that I eventually found out what this boot did is it helps if I kick something, it protected my foot. But more importantly, if I strapped it on right, it kept the womb from opening. Does that make sense? And because of the arch of the foot. So there's a lot more value to this for my healing that I understood. Now let me take it to a greater picture. You and I have a big wound. We've made big mistakes and small mistakes. It's sin. It separated us from God. 
And God loved us enough to give us a boot. He loved us enough to give us his son, Jesus Christ. And for some of us, we've been so familiar with that, that, that story that we don't even embrace grace. Oh, you know, that was great when I was first coming to Christ and I needed to wash in it. No, you and I need to wash in God's grace daily. Can I hear an amen to that? You see, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a boot. Isaiah chapter nine, verse 59 and one. The arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but our iniquities, our sin, have caused him to turn his, his back to us. Sin is a big problem. We've all made mistakes. Don't beat yourself up. Romans chapter 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to what? All people. Because all what? All sin. We have all made mistakes, big and small. Most of us could share a list right now if I brought you up on stage of all the things that we've done wrong. Guilt runs through our veins like blood. Guilt tells us how we've blown it. And its cousin shame is even worse. You've heard me say this many times lately and I'm gonna say it many more. Because here's the reality. I am not a pastor and I, you know, there may be some or, or whatever that just goes and hides and he, he reads his Bible and then he, he, he does his, you know, he's in this little sanctuary over here. I'm amongst the people all the time. And I wish you could sit in my office. I wish you could be at the coffee shop. I wish you could see my text. I wish you could see what is going on weekly and daily in the lives of the people at this church and the lives of the people out in our community. And oftentimes we think we're the only ones. And so the reality is, I don't care if you've walked with Jesus for a long time or you just met him or you haven't met him yet, we all have a problem of big mistakes, but we all have a problem of putting on shame and guilt and saying, I am not valuable, I am not good enough. And we check the boxes of saying that I don't deserve any of this stuff. And that breaks my heart. I feel like almost every day I'm telling people, no, you are special. No, you are valuable. No, you have meaning. Because the other CD that's playing in the head, the playlist that's playing in our head is all the guilt and shame from all the things that we've done wrong, big and small. And yes, we need to own those things, but God's grace is greater. And some of us have that equation wrong. We have the greater facing the guilt and the mistakes. And we need to flip that around and say that forgiveness and God's grace is greater. And that's not because Rob Denton says it, because this book says it. And not only does this book say it, but let me take it to a whole another level later on in the sermon. Huh. You know, every day I have to um, stand in front of my closet and make the big decision. What am I gonna wear today? And praise God, I can see all of you have made that decision too. What am I gonna put on? And you look at Colossians chapter three, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Did you catch that? You're holy and dearly loved. And then it says, clothe yourself with what? 
with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Church, wouldn't that be good? More important than the shirt that you wear and the pants that you put on or the shorts or the shoes or any of that stuff, clothe yourself with these things. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I think Paul's done a great job, but Paul, can I add one? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. How many of us wake up and we look at the closet and instead of choosing those clothes, we put on guilt and we put on shame. And that impacts our life. It impacts how we think, how we smell, how we interact, and the list goes on. So how can I stop living in this painful place? It was the summer of 1985. Some of you were alive, and some of you don't even have a clue. 1985 was my senior year, uh, the summer of my senior year. I graduated in 86. I, um, I love baseball, played baseball, uh, played tennis in, in high school, but I also um, I wrestled. And you guys have heard the story. I was just this little guy, and so I fit perfect in that. My freshman year, I just got thrashed. I've told you about all the injuries I came home with, all the black eyes. I mean, I was just the easiest, softest person you could wrestle. Automatic win. Sophomore year, I got tired of getting beat up, so I fought back a little bit. I had a few wins under my belt. Junior year was good. Junior year, I had enough. Let me, let me impose the pain now. And so I won trophies and medals and tournaments, and I wasn't the best, but I was on my way. So senior year, okay, for Robbie Denton was going to be the year. And I, I had a goal of going to state and five counties and all those, those high goals. I'll never forget. It was like yesterday. Summer day. I don't know why dad was home this early, but uh, he says, Robbie, uh, before you go out, I, 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 uh, mom and I need to talk to you. I thought that was weird. Because here's, here's the honest truth is this. I was a good kid. Um, I had, and I don't know, I wish I could just pour it into everybody. I really had a healthy respect for my parents, a fearful, healthy respect. Like I, I just didn't want to do anything wrong or disobey. So I'm like, now, I wasn't always nicest to my sister, so I thought maybe my, one of my sisters ratted me out on something with them. And uh, <laughs> he says, son, there's this new thing that uh, we've learned about. It's called AIDS, um, HIV. Yeah. He goes, uh, it's a sexually transmitted disease. We don't know any other way. Maybe it's through um, you know, um, bodily fluids, and, and, and it could even be sweat. He goes, son, you're done wrestling. I'm 17 years old. You're done. He goes, mom and, mom and, mom and I don't want you wrestling. I, I was devastated. Because, you know, you're 17 years old. You're invincible. I'm not going to get whatever that is. Come on, come on. So I listened. I didn't go to any of the summer camps. I didn't do any of the training. And then um, school started and got to see my buddies because we didn't know anything unless we happened to see each other. We didn't have social media. <laughs> we didn't have cell phones. And uh, so they're like, hey, come on, come on. You could wrestle. Just don't let your dad know this and that. Remember, I'm Robbie Denton. I, I listened to my parents. I went to practice. Well, I didn't have my wrestling shoes because I didn't want that to be obvious. And so um, there's a reason you have wrestling shoes and not tennis shoes. So I'm working out on the mat, the rubber mats, and we're doing all of our drills, and we're doing our throws. 
And um, the guy, I, I'm wrestling a guy, probably uh, 115, I'm 100. And he goes to throw me and my whole body stayed. Uh, well, that's not true. My whole body went, but this leg stayed. And it just went rip. Because a wrestling shoe just allows you to move with it, but a tennis shoe just had that grip. And I was down. And I was crying. I was in so much pain. But as soon as I came to, I was like, the pain is not the pain of my knee. What is that going to say? They wheeled me to the office. They called my dad. I'm sitting in the nurse's office. He comes in. And I have my head down. And it's silence. And I look up and he looks at me. And he looks at the nurse and says, may I take my son now? She said, yes. He wills me to the car, puts me in the car. Not one word to the way of the hospital. They diagnose it. I think it was ACL, torn meniscus, all that kind of stuff. It meant a lot of um, physical therapy, a surgery, and he took me to almost all of those. And guess what? He never said a word about the accident, about the disobedience. To the day he died about 13 years ago, we never talked about Robbie Denton's disobedience and his knee. I think, my personal opinion, I think that was one of the smartest parenting moves my dad could have made because I beat the crud out of myself. I felt the guilt and shame of my decision. And all I got from my dad was a a father's love. That's grace. That's an undeserved gift. Translate that to our heavenly father. How many mistakes, how many things, how many times have we disobeyed? How many times we've gone wrong? And I think our heavenly father just sits us in the wheelchair and takes care of us and brings us to where we need to be because he loves us. And all God's people said, does that make sense? That leads us to our third point. Grace is greater. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, this is cool. God's timing is good. Just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for who? The perfect? For the one that got it all together? No, for the ungodly. I just met with some guy this, this week he's in his 60s, and we're talking, and he's talking about how he found the Lord and all this grace that's in his life and how excited he was, and we talked about this. He thought that he had to get all cleaned up before he ever came to church. He thought he had to get his ducks in a row before he came to church. Somehow the message got to him that you're ready to come to church when you don't have any more mistakes. And I would say if that was the case, the church would be empty. We'd have no preacher. We'd have no worship team. None of you would be here. Amen. The church is a messy place. We come to the cross, grace-filled cross, messy. And he's the one that does the changing. Amen. You see, at just the right time, we were powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates, I love this, God demonstrates his own love for who? Us. Put your name in there. Make it personal. God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still what? Sinners. Christ died for us. Not when we got all cleaned up, not when we deserved it, but while we were still sinners. And it wasn't just a death, it was death by crucifixion. It was a painful death. It was an ugly death. It was a messy death. 
And that's how much Jesus Christ loves us. Are you kidding me? Nope, I'm not. You are so loved. And you and I did nothing to deserve Jesus dying on the cross. It said he died while we were still screwing up. That's a loose translation. He didn't say, oh, they've changed their evil ways. I'll go to the cross. He did it while we were still sinners. You see, if you ever question your value as a human being, don't go to the cupboard and pull out a drug. Don't go to the bar and have a drink. Don't go to your bank and see how much money's in there. Don't, don't go on vacation. Don't dot, dot, dot. Go to the cross and hang out. Go to the cross and hang out when you don't see value. 1 Timothy 1, 13 and 14, Paul says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, even though I made big mistakes, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Now here it is, verse 34. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me, what? Abundantly. The grace of God was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. God wants to pour out his grace on you and I abundantly. You can't do enough to deserve the grace of God. God's grace is good enough for you. And if we sit here and say, no, but I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I'm not worthy of it, then you're saying what Jesus did on the cross was not enough. Right? So I love grace because it helps wash off the shame and guilt that we choose to wear on a daily basis. First Timothy 1 uh, verses 15, Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul wrote about two thirds of the entire New Testament. When grace is talked about in the New Testament, Paul wrote two-thirds of the times grace is mentioned. Paul was the worst of sinners, he says, and yet look how great an impact he left on Christianity because he understood how messy he was, but he understood how amazing God's grace is. You see, I have a problem with video games today. You ready? I was old school video games in the 70s and 80s. You put a quarter in, or you played Atari, or you played in television, yeah. You only had a certain amount of lives. You played Miss Pac-Man, you had to keep going and get all those dots and dots to get another Miss Pac-Man, and it was harder and harder to get extra lives in Galaga and Galaxian and Asteroids and all those wonderful games. Now my son plays an outside of the sports game, he plays these games, and he could die a million times over and they just pop up, I'm always like, that's not fair. I used to play Mario. When I first got married, I mean, it almost broke up my relationship with my wife. My sister got us a Nintendo for our, 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 our wedding gift. And she's competitive. Whew, I'm just a softie. But you, you would do all this work, and then eventually if you lost enough Mario lives, you're done, and you have to start all over. Today you got unlimited lives. And you know what? I laugh because the truth is God has given us unlimited lives. He's got new uh, video game theology and not old game video theology. Otherwise, I'd be gone. I love grace. How about you? God is so good. Well, I have a lot more to say on that. But let me conclude with this. Grace is greater than your guilt. 
Let God's grace pour over you. Experience seeing your own mistakes, but hanging out at the cross and experience how good grace is. You are valuable, therefore act like it. You are the valuable, therefore act like it. Father, thank you. Help us to understand your grace and more than understand it, help us to experience it. May we choose to take off the guilt and the shame that we like to put on because of our big mistakes and let us choose the jacket of grace. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion.